Hello, friends. It's Jessie Mundell. We are wrapping up the summer here at To Birth and Beyond, and today's episode marks the end of our August replays. Starting next week, you'll see us back here with brand new shows for you. Today's replay episode is a big old Q&A that we did about pregnancy exercise. You all are incredible listeners sent in excellent questions about pregnancy exercise, including can you start exercising midway into a pregnancy? Should belly coning always be avoided? Is it a good idea to do core work throughout pregnancy? Is heavy lifting okay to continue on with? And many, many more questions specifically regarding pregnancy and exercise. If this is something that you are really interested in and you are currently pregnant at any stage, or you might be early to years postpartum and wanting guidance and support with exercise, I want you to know that my online fitness coaching program to pregnancy and beyond is currently accepting clients now. You get a brand new strength and interval training workout program every four weeks, specifically designed for pregnant and postpartum bodies and the needs of pregnant and postpartum people. Workouts that are crafted for moms and parents with super full schedules to do from home or the gym with little ones close by if applicable. You get access to video and written feedback and exercise modifications from our two pregnancy and beyond coaches whenever you need it and community support from the greatest members of our two pregnancy and beyond program in our private Facebook group. There are two program options for you within two pregnancy and beyond. You can work with us in the group coaching program or in more of a one-on-one private coaching setup. Both options include monthly and six-month payment plans. Do note that to pregnancy and beyond prices are increasing on September 7th. When you register by the 7th, though, you'll keep the current lower rate for the whole duration of time that you are with us. You can go check out the link in today's show notes all the details about two pregnancy and beyond and how to register and start your first monthly workout program are there for you. With that, go enjoy today's Q&A episode all about pregnancy exercise. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jessie Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey, everyone. Welcome on to another episode of To Birth and Beyond. It's Jesse Mundell. And Anita Lambert. 
Today, we are doing a big Q&A episode on pregnancy exercise, which we both get tons of questions about in our own businesses and practices, but also online. So we're going to be talking all things prenatal exercise today. These are all questions that were sent in from you, the listeners. So thank you all so much for sending these in, and hopefully we can clear a few things up today. So first question, let's dive right in. This person asked, I didn't exercise regularly before pregnancy number two. Can I start now and how at 20 weeks pregnant? So my main answer to this without knowing more information about this person would be, yeah, absolutely. There are such wonderful benefits to starting exercising at any point in your pregnancy if there are no specific contraindications to exercise that have been explained to you by your medical provider. So we always take that as the most important information that we might have about a client or patient, whatever their medical provider has told them about their pregnancy and their situation. But yes, for sure, we both get this question often. I think people are can be very nervous about starting to exercise into a pregnancy when they haven't been exercising before. And we've talked about this on the podcast before, this myth that you can just keep doing whatever exercise you were doing prior to pregnancy in your pregnancy, and that is the best way to continue, but it is wonderful to start exercising during your pregnancy. We'll just run off a few contraindications of pregnancy exercise so you have these in the back of your mind if your medical provider does talk to you about them. So cervical insufficiency, this might be something you hear being pregnant with twins, triplets, or multiples with risk factors for preterm labor. So absolutely fine in many cases to be exercising with a multiples pregnancy. But if there are more risk factors added on, that might be an issue for your medical provider. Placenta previa after 26 weeks of pregnancy, preterm labor or ruptured membranes, preeclampsia, severe anemia, these are the big ones that your medical provider will look for. Otherwise, though, Anita, anything else on your front on what you say to people for exercising midway in a pregnancy? Yeah, no, just echoing everything that you just said, Jess. And um, yeah, because I think there is that myth around uh, if you didn't exercise before, then don't start. But there are so many benefits to exercise in pregnancy. I think it's more about, yeah, if you didn't if you weren't lifting heavy during pregnancy, this probably wouldn't be a good time to start that. Um, but for general exercise, it's it's a great thing to be starting in pregnancy. So I have a lot of clients um, who come in uh, with that goal as well as they're, they're kind of ready to start getting into something or changing what they've been doing because they feel they actually want to do something different during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. There was an article in the British Journal of Sports Medicine in 2019 called the Canadian Guidelines for Physical Activity Throughout Pregnancy. And what these researchers recommend is 150 minutes per week of moderate intensity exercise. So this feels like getting your heart rate up. You are starting to sweat and it feels like a comfortable spot for you. You're pushing the edge, but it feels like a comfortable-ish spot for you. For me, 
I'm biased, of course, but strength training is always what I tend to recommend for people who are starting out exercising because it is so simple to modify throughout an entire pregnancy or the rest of your pregnancy. This person at 20 weeks, we could theoretically keep you exercising in the same capacity for the next 20 plus weeks or however long it might be. You can do it from home or from a gym. It's not super time intensive. You don't need really any special clothes or shoes or outfits you need to wear. So the access to it, I know that there absolutely are barriers, but for many people, it can be a form of exercise that might be easier to access. So strength training can modify, can fit your body regardless of where you might be in a pregnancy. And that is one reason why I really love it. And something that Anita and I have talked about so many times on here before too, is that it can really help you to feel more comfortable throughout a pregnancy when your body is changing so much and then help you to prepare for postpartum and parenting, which is going to be a really physical act. So we love the strength training, but of course, whatever you love to do, however you like to move your body, if that is going to be quote unquote safe for you during this pregnancy, that is the thing that hopefully you can pursue. The other benefits to pregnancy that I just want to mention that I don't think we talk enough about largely in our society is that it as I just said, can enhance your comfort in your physical body, but can help support your mental and emotional health so intimately. Fetal health can help you sleep, help with digestion, which can be a tricky thing in pregnancy itself. So there's so much here beyond physical health, beyond fetal health. There's so much more for the actual maternal health benefits of pregnancy than, again, are often talked about. Question number two. I keep hearing different things about keeping my heart rate under a certain number in pregnancy exercise. Can you clarify? So we used to hear a ton about keeping your heart rate under 140 beats per minute. Do your patients ask you this still? Um, some do. I feel like it's not talked about as much in that form anymore. What yeah. You find just with your clients. Yeah. Similar. I feel like it's just starting to change quite a bit over the last couple of years. I was still getting it a lot, maybe five years ago, not so much anymore. So these heart rate limits typically are not generally imposed anymore. You might hear this from a medical provider. However, that said, the most current research doesn't specify that you should not go beyond 140 beats per minute. I used to test this with prenatal clients in pregnancy workouts, and I tested it on myself in my first pregnancy. And I was routinely over this heart rate allowance, not even working out at a very intense rate. So what we tend to talk about more so is the rate of perceived exertion or the talk test. So I want you to be able to talk to me if we are working out together and you're pregnant. And if we think about the rate of perceived exertion, you are deciding how hard this feels for you. And then we can have different numbers and different uh, scales and how this matches up. And we would want someone maybe to be around a six or a seven, which is moderately challenging exercise. We are not ever encouraging people to go to nines and tens who are in the general population of pregnancy. So you're not working out at your max. You are below that. 
Okay, question number three. I still get this one a lot. When do I have to pay more attention to doing exercises on my back? So this one, I give general, again, general information without knowing more about the client or patient. My advice is always, if you feel okay, if this is a comfortable spot for you and you do not feel dizzy or lightheaded, you're not having a difficult time breathing, then this is probably a position that is going to be okay for you in exercise to some degree. A ton of my clients are doing some exercises on their back throughout entire pregnancies. For some people, it doesn't feel okay. And I found this interesting. In my first pregnancy, I felt okay on my back towards the very end, 42 weeks. But in my second pregnancy, I did not feel okay. Probably after 30 weeks, I didn't do much on my back because I did feel that difficulty breathing, lightheadedness. So I X'd it at that point for the most part. What about you? Yeah, no, it's really interesting to hear your experience too, Josh. So with my clients, I talk about the same thing um, with doing exercises on their back and we're just checking in or I'm having, if I'm not there while they're doing the exercise, having them check in um, exactly the symptoms you talked about and then giving different strategies or modifications basically of being able to do a similar exercise, but potentially more elevated or just using a different piece of equipment. Um, if it happens to be strength training or if they're in yoga, this is what I found. I was the same as you. So in my first pregnancy, no issues being on my back at any point right up till the end. But my second one, very similar to you in that there was a point where being flat on my back for more than a couple minutes, I started to feel lightheaded. So for example, with prenatal yoga, I would just be up on a bolster, a bolster and a block underneath. So I was a little bit elevated for some of the things and that felt totally fine. So there's uh, often ways that um, exercises can be modified so that you're comfortable. Um, and some exercises people will just do in sideline instead of on their back is another option too. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Pregnancy to pregnancy can definitely be different and between people. So I also tell clients, if you're in a class of any sort, please don't compare to the person next to you that they're still doing stuff on their back. Like it's, it has nothing to do with one person being, you know, stronger or better endurance or anything like that. It's, these are symptoms that there really is no rhyme or reason why one person feels it and another person doesn't. And to just go with what your body's telling you. Yeah, such good advice. And I think it is so important what you mentioned too, that there's gray area in this. It's not like it has to be no exercises or you have to be there for 10 minutes. It could be that you feel good with 10 reps or 15 reps, but you don't feel good with 20 reps. So we do the 10, we roll to your side, we sit up, we go back to it, whatever it might be. So lots of gray area in this. And I'll just mention, and we can link this in the show notes too, there was also a recent article in the British Journal of Sports Medicine called, Is Supine Exercise Associated with Adverse Maternal and Fetal Outcomes? A Systematic Review. And essentially they concluded that there is insufficient evidence to determine whether exercise in the supine position is safe or should be avoided during pregnancy. So it all goes back to the person really in this situation. On to the next question number four, should belly coning always be avoided? Does it mean damage is happening to the linea alba? What do you tell people on this one? 
Yeah, so this has been interesting, and we've talked about diastasis over now the almost two years uh, that we've had the podcast, um, and even just how language has changed and what we know or what we don't know has changed as well. So I talk to clients, I really decrease the fear around this and saying that coning is not necessarily something that's going to cause damage. It's giving you information. So it's telling us that this particular exercise or maybe the posture or position you're doing the exercise in, that it just happens to be the pressure in the abdomen is happens to be going outwards um, and the muscles may not be able to control it as well, but it's not necessarily damaging. So it could just be a sign of like, can we change how we're doing the exercise to decrease the coning um, or do it a little bit different or breathe different or engage different um, or just do something different? Is that going to change what's happening? Um, but I think the key thing with this is to know that if you notice this here and there with certain things like that in itself is not damaging. It's just giving you information um, of what you may want to consider, may want to change. I love that. That's absolutely the best advice we can give. There is nuance to this. I'd say if I'm coaching a person in pregnancy and they are coning or doming on every rep of an exercise, we're going to try something to change it. We're not going to, or I wouldn't allow, quote unquote, allow that bulging or coning to continue happening through 20 reps of an exercise without trying to adjust in some way. So if we can try a different strategy and it changes, we would try and we would keep trying different strategies. There are a couple similar follow-up questions we got on this related to core work in pregnancy. One was, is it a good idea to include core work throughout pregnancy? And I love this question and there are so many layers to this too, but something that we have also talked about in other episodes is that core work is so much more than specific abdominal focused exercise. And yes, that is going to be a good idea for lots of people to continue throughout pregnancy. But if we're talking specifically about abdominal focused exercises that people tend to think of in a traditional sense, like sit-ups, crunches, boat pose, whatever else you think of when you think abdominal work, that can be okay too. For many people, it's not going to be comfortable at a certain point in pregnancy. And then you can modify and back off and reduce and change. Again, this is why we love this, these types of modalities so much in pregnancy because you can modify. But yes, if you feel your abdominal muscles working in pregnancy, don't be afraid. Because I feel like my clients are afraid if they feel their abdominal muscles working too much, like they are doing damage or they're working their abs too hard and that's not good for the baby or these stories that we have heard before or that we're reading on the internet. Yeah, I would. it's interesting because I feel like I'm hearing actually that more and more. And I think, um, at least with my clients coming in, it's either they've been told don't, by someone else, like don't do any core exercise in pregnancy. Um, and then I reassure them, I'm like, no, we actually can. And I'm just saying it one new client recently, I've seen her twice. And that was one of her main goals coming in. She's like, everyone's telling me to stop doing core exercises. She's like, is that true? Can I do it? So then like we did the full assessment and we got her back to doing a lot of different 
kind of quote unquote core exercises, but we did have the discussion about bringing that into all like squats and all different movements. And the next session she came back, she's like, Oh my God. She's like, I feel so much better. She's like, like mentally she felt better because she's like, she really enjoyed doing those exercises and was kind of bummed out that she's like, so I can't do this for nine months. Um, so mentally she said like that felt better, but physically she said she just felt better reintroducing that back in. Um, and then the other side is I have clients talking about this because there's so much fear around diastasis. They get the messaging of don't engage your core or your abs at all because this is going to cause diastasis. So then we go through myth busting around that um, and fears around that so that they feel more up to date, more knowledgeable on um kind of the myths and facts around that um, and up-to-date information. So yeah, that's what I find my clients at least are coming in with. And I actually am seeing it more and more. So it's nice that I can reassure them of all these things they can do that they, they've been told they couldn't do. Love it. Okay. I'm really interested for your take on this next question too. Are pelvic girdle pain and round ligament pain related? And then a follow-up question to this was can running be a cause of round ligament pain to the point where you injure yourself? So let's start with the first one. Are pelvic girdle pain and round ligament pain related? So yes, this is definitely an interesting question because I find a lot of times when people are mentioning round ligament pain and then when we actually assess and look into it, it is pelvic girdle pain. So it's just an interesting kind of, yeah, we can dive pretty deep into it, but I think a lot of times it ends up being pelvic girdle pain when people are describing round ligament pain. Um, even kind of pubic symphysis, when people say round ligament pain, I, have, I say, can you show me where you're feeling it? And we do some of the um, the assessment, uh, different like specific techniques for it, and it often is pelvic girdle pain that they're referring to, but I think it often gets told at, at they get told it's round ligament pain. So that's what I've noticed. Um, Can I interrupt you there? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So when people are saying they have round ligament pain, where specifically would that be on their body if it was truly round ligament pain? Well, it can be um, in the ab like the sides of the abdomen. Um, and again, it's more of when people are told it's round ligament pain, we really don't know. Like it's one of those things where that's why we test for all these other things because it's more of one of those, if people have pain in a certain area, they get told it's round ligament pain. We don't fully know if that's what it's from. So if we're doing tests and we, we see more of a link with something else, um, then we go with that. But I do find sometimes it can also be related to tension so the idea of tension around the abdomen or the pelvic floor, and then we address that and they notice this other like side of the abdomen pain seems to go, um, that I've seen a link with that too. So sometimes with that, like we'll do different techniques of, I find letting the abdomen relax. So we'll do different techniques with, um, something called the rebozo, or we use more of like a, a bed sheet to mimic something that would be like a rebozo or just different positions often on hands and knees and relaxing the abdomen tends to help this round ligament type pain. Um, if 
if we do the other tests and it doesn't seem to be pelvic girdle pain, doing, you know, relaxing around the abdomen or the pelvic floor seems to also address it is what I've noticed, at least clinically. Excellent. And then can running be a cause of round ligament pain to the point where you injure yourself? How do you address this? So again, with this, I would say if this person is, I'm just wondering in terms of where the question is coming from. Like I'm, I'm guessing a person has been running and is experiencing pain, has been told it's round ligament pain. Potentially it could be pelvic girdle pain. Um, now I don't want anyone to think that doing that is going to necessarily injure themselves. It just may be that running for a variety of reasons, whether pregnant or not, that the pelvic girdle pain is like a symptomatic of something going on. Um, so I, I don't, I don't like using the language of like doing that is going to cause injury, but it's just that if you're running and experiencing pain around the abdomen or the pelvis, it's telling you that just how the body is adjusting right now to running and especially in pregnancy it just may mean that some adjustments need to be made um, and looking deeper into the issue. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Perfect. Breathing during heavy weightlifting in brackets, athletic focus, not new to exercise. For example, in deadlifts and pull-ups, I'm used to holding my breath slash bracing for each rep. Do I continue this throughout pregnancy. So this person has been lifting strength training for a number of years. They are very comfortable. They have been doing heavy weights, holding their breath or what they call bracing their abs for their reps. And we get this question often too. People who have been consistently strength training are very used to doing this certain type of strategy. Should they continue or should they change? So what you would be told from a medical provider is that breath holding is not generally recommended during pregnancy from a fetal health perspective. And that, of course, is what we are going to tell our clients and patients too. We're not going to encourage probably a breath holding strategy for every rep of exercise or for tons of movements in their daily life. We are going to see if we can keep them breathing for the majority of those loaded tasks those challenging physical tasks that they are doing. All that said, if you come to a situation in your life and you need to breath hold for a second or two in order to accomplish the task, that is likely going to be okay for most people. On the exercise side of things specifically, I'm not going to recommend breath holding or bracing in pregnancy as a consistent exercise strategy throughout pregnancy for all exercises. Again, if it shows up at times, that is okay. And it likely will be completely fine for your health from a core and floor perspective and also for baby's health. So yes, can it be okay to be used sometimes? Likely, yes. Will it be useful to breathe in other ways for your bodies and to find other avenues for doing stuff in exercise? Also, Yes. So it's a both and situation for me. But again, my bias and my preference is to get you 
breathing probably in multiple different ways in this pregnancy exercise and not always going to that breath holding or bracing strategy. We would might even back off that bracing and see if we can reduce that further. Yeah, I would, I would agree with pretty much everything that you just said, Jess. Yeah. That especially I feel like in pregnancy, the breath holding that for longer periods of time, that that wouldn't necessarily be something I would be recommending either. So being able to breathe through the exercises, I feel like is generally helpful. And especially if there's any symptoms involved. All right. Couple more questions here. I love this question so much. Should we only modify our pregnancy workouts only when there is symptoms or pain? I love this question. It is actually such a smart question that someone is thinking through it in this way. Generally speaking, again, I think that there should be noticeable differences in how you might exercise from your first trimester of pregnancy to the third trimester or the very end of your pregnancy, wherever that might be. Changes in your intensity, in the volume, and how much work your body is doing, the amount of effort you're putting forth physically when you're pregnant, when your body is doing so much work as is to be pregnant. I think that it is worthwhile for there to be a shift in how you're exercising, even when there are not symptoms or pain. This doesn't mean going from, say your exercise routine is working out three times per week doing strength training workouts. And we're saying, no, we only now want you to be working out one time a week. That's not at all what we are going to recommend for you. Keep those three workouts per week if that is feeling really good for them. But maybe we adjust things that are happening within those workouts. So it might, again, be the intensity, the volume, the amount of load or weight you are lifting or how much high impact exercise you might be doing. There, in my opinion, there will be, I think it is beneficial that there will be shifts in the pregnancy workouts, even if things are feeling totally well and good. Yeah. And I would say there'll be shifts too, just with how your body is changing. And we've talked about this a lot in terms of like when you're pregnant and as pregnancy goes on, like your belly and chest, there's a lot of change or you're growing in the front. So basically a lot of times you'll feel your weight shift towards your heels um, and kind of this weight shift back. And then also just the fact that the belly is there, that it's, you're going to have to modify depending what the exercise is. Um, but yeah, just in terms of noticing your center of gravity changing and making modifications to that may be really helpful, uh, even if you're not symptomatic with a movement, um, but just may help you feel like you can continue doing the exercise, not feeling like you're making lots of different uh, compensations or changes that may not be the most beneficial to the movement. Agreed. All right. And as the very last question here, a bonus, we didn't actually get this question sent in, but we hear it a lot. And that is about squatting exercises during pregnancy and whether you should be doing them, should not be doing them. What are your patients asking you about squatting during pregnancy? Yeah, it's been interesting. And I would say lately, I've had like quite a few and even like people who aren't clients, people just social media sending me messages of being, you know, they were told this and that. Um, 
And it's been more about even how. Um, I've had some people mention that they've been told in pregnancy, only do squats with your feet hip width apart. Do not take them wider, especially if you have pelvic pain. And it's just not true. Like you going wider is actually a good thing. And yes, you want to, there are so many different factors. If it's not comfortable to go wider, that's a different story. However, if it's comfortable to have your feet wider than hip, um, hip width and often with the feet turned out a bit because as our just as our body's changing in pregnancy, that's often a position that will feel a lot more comfortable um, and just give you more mobility within your squat. So you could even try this at home, whether you're pregnant or not, squat with your feet facing forward, hip width apart, and then try squatting with your feet wider than your hips with your feet slightly pointed out. And likely that second way, you'll actually get deeper into your squat and feel more freedom in your hips and in the movement. Oh, so much better. I used to follow that same dogma of squatting, narrow feet straight ahead. And I can't remember, I think it was a trainer who eventually told me or had me try that wider stance feet turned out and it was such freedom like my lower back felt so much better it felt like I could get into that movement so much more easily and that is always an aha moment for so many people who have been following that advice for years and years too Okay, I think that's everything for today. Pregnancy exercise. This will not be the last time we talk about pregnancy exercise, of course. There's so many more questions we could cover, but we hope that that helps set you on the right foot for now. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 